Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one college-age boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm the mom to two boys, a middle school teacher, a former homeschooler, and a writer. Welcome to the 58th episode of Two Lit Mamas in part two of our holiday gift guide. So if you didn't catch the first one, check it out. Yeah, you might want to listen to that one first. We showered all the people everywhere with our brilliance. Showered the people, right? Just like as as James Taylor would say. Um, <laughs> we gave them all of the best recommendations for the tiny people in their lives. But some of you, like myself, might not have tiny people in your life. And you need some recommendations for those big smelly people in your life. And here we are. We gotcha. We gotcha. So are you ready for another installment? I think so. I think my brain's still kind of working. My my middle-aged menopause brain still working out there. I know, right? I mean, it's a struggle. I had to ask for a little bit of help this time with YA, but we'll get to that Oh, later. all right. <laughs> excellent. Well, um, before we start, though, last week we waxed poetic about our best gifts ever, like your Cabbage Patch doll and my work from work <laughs> suspenders. And then ironically, of course, because we know Jeff Bezos listens to everything, I keep seeing like pictures of the work from work suspenders lately. Oh, because Jeff Bezos is going to send them to me, I guess. I don't know. Because, you know, Alexa listens. Anyway, uh, so this that was the best Christmas ever. This week, I want to hear what was your worst Christmas ever. Okay. This is going to show how much of a brat I am. Let it shine, girl. Let it shine. (laughs) When I was a little kid, I hated dolls. I think because girls were supposed to like dolls and I had like this whole thing about how I hated dolls and I only wanted stuffed animals. I had, and honestly, I, I know I talked about the Cabbage Patch doll, but that was when I was older. That's a different thing though. That was a, that was a collectible thing. Yeah. And that was definitely when I was older when those came out anyway. And so I probably just wanted it because all my friends had one or whatever. But yeah, when I was little, I was like adamant that I do not like dolls and I do not want dolls and I love stuffed animals and that's it. And I would line my stuffed animals up in bed. I would sleep in the middle of my bed and line them up on each side of me and we would all go to bed at night. (laughs) That's cute. So anyway, and gosh, my grandparents, they were such wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. And they were so sweet. And I was was probably, we were going kind of through tough times or whatever, but they got me a Wasn't that all of our childhood though? Like we were like poor farm kids (laughs) in the seventies and eighties. Our whole life was like tough times, but go on. (laughs) So they got me this doll for Christmas and I was such a brat and so ungrateful. I was like, who would dared to give me a doll and i'm sure my my grandma was like super probably excited to give it to me who knows because she had dolls like she has had her dolls from when she was little and my mom had her dolls when she was little and my grandma would dress them all like make clothes for all of them and everything so i'm sure you were horrible you were horrible this is the backstory and then you still reject that oh my god oh i was horrible but i didn't know i was a little kid I, i mean now looking at it as an adult i'm sure that's what was going on but my grandmother, she's so she must have loved me enough that she just never said a word. She didn't get upset. She wasn't like, whatever, we'll give it to like kids in, you know, China who appreciate it or whatever. Right. She was like, she just didn't say anything. And I gave it to my brother. And my brother played with it all day. Well, that was perfect though. I mean, look yeah. at that. You you got your little feminist way. I did. You got the boy to play with the doll. So I in did. the end. Yeah. You got your way. It worked perfectly. Yeah. And my brother, you know, he's still good with kids. So maybe I started him on his journey <laughs> by giving there him you my go. doll. You're yeah. welcome. 
Yeah. It's it's was, like a terrible story on myself. And it wasn't really like a terrible Christmas. I just remember like as an adult now, I'm so ashamed. Now you look back at it. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> funny. That's yeah, okay. funny. So what was your worst Christmas? Um, my worst Christmas ever. I canceled Christmas one year. <gasps> you did? Um, I did. When, well, first of all, it's really hard to have Christmas in a Muslim country because I spent like most of my time trying to explain to people that Christmas is not December 31st. That's New Year's. Right. But none, no one in Turkey would have any of it because they obviously knew better as Muslims. They knew when the birth of Jesus was right. They had a, they knew. And um, so my one Christmas, it was my son's first Christmas. I think it was. Yeah. And he was like, you know, 10 months old, nine, 10 months old. I was so excited and everything for his first Christmas. Yeah. And my husband, I said, you have to take off because it's obviously it's not a, not holiday, a holiday there. Right. The 31st is what Christmas is, a.k.a. Is New that Year's. the Coptic Christians that celebrate on the 31st? Or no, just it's just Turkey? New Year's. They just think that Santa comes on New Year's, Baba Noel oh. comes on New Year's, and that's okay. therefore what's, what Christmas is. Okay. Um, and that's what you put your tree up for if you have a tree. But I, we had a tree and everything and I had little gifts that I had made and I was having to have the perfect first Christmas for my very first baby. And I said, you know, my husband couldn't take off the full day. He said, he'd take half, half day and then come home and we could, you know, like have Christmas dinner because this was so important to me. But that was also the day that he forgot to renew my visa. And he's like, well, you know, we can just do this. We can just drive back to the city and stand in line at the police station and and do this. And then we'll come home and have Christmas because otherwise I was going to get deported. <gasps> well, fast forward, we end up spending a large chunk of the day in the police station because you had to get my visa, you know, and then it was a whole giant mess. The the policemen with their giant mustaches and their and their guns were very nice to my toddler. Um, and they were very, you know, they love to let him play with their guns. That was fabulous, right? Best Christmas ever, my my son's first Christmas. And then on our way home, I'm like, well, that was like four hours of the one Christmas we were going to have that you've now screwed. But okay, well, we'll just try to press through it. He's like, Oh no, I told my sister we'd stop off there for dinner. <gasps> what? It wasn't like Christmas dinner because they right. still are waiting till, you know, the 31st right. to have Christmas dinner. And I was so upset. I was beside my, I was like sobbing. Cause you know, I was not only was I like a reluctant expat to begin with, but I right. had no family. My one friend that I had had gone back to France for Christmas and I was just all alone and all with these Turks who didn't understand anything. And it was my baby's first Christmas. And I just rampaged and I said, we're never having Christmas again. And it only lasted one more year. And then we moved back to America and we had Christmas, but yeah, it was really ugly. It was a very ugly moment. And, um, my son, thank God, has no memory of that. But I like to remind my husband of that quite frequently. Do you remember that year you ruined Christmas? Yeah, our son's first Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I realize it's been 14 years, but I'm never going to let that oh, go. Oh, no, because you had to have the first Christmas pictures, right? It's important. Like you have Yeah, we have do- none. Yeah. We have none. We have nothing. Because there was no first Christmas. We have Aww. no first. There was no first Christmas because we had to go eat spaghetti with his sister because that's what they made every time they thought it was Aww. I was American. So I would therefore enjoy spaghetti. But <laughs> I was like, that's Italian. And I'm not. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It was the worst Christmas it. ever. So I was bitter. Aww. I'm still bitter. And I will remind him of that as soon as Christmas starts up again. I'm like, remember that year. <laughs> the day after yes. Thanksgiving, it starts. The guilt. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm like, you remember that one? Yeah, you screwed that up really good. But I did get my visa renewed and I good. did get to spend the day in the police station at a Turkish police station. So <laughs> you have time. a story to tell, even if it's not oh, a fun one. Even if it's, I know, I probably need expat therapy, but you know, we made it through. <laughs> 
<laughs> and now we have, now I refuse to go anywhere on Christmas. I will only stay home, which is nice when you have family that doesn't live anywhere nearby. So we never have any expectations. No one expects us anywhere because we're out in the middle of <laughs> New England <laughs> and everybody else is like somewhere else. So now we have a perfect, I, I have total control over the situation as makes me happy. And the nice thing now, which I have, I have adapted to as well. Now that I can do all of my shopping from the comfort of my lazy boy, I feel like it just makes Christmas so much easier. And I have to tell you, preparing for this episode, how many books did you buy? Preparing for this episode? Yes. Because I bought um, about 15. I, I it's, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> I was like, it is oh. insane. My husband listens to the podcast. Oh, sorry. I won't tell him. Mine doesn't. So uh, um, I, I couldn't. There were so many good choices out there. I, I, well, okay. So I had already ordered like six from online. the last episode. Yeah. Yes. Same. Well, no, no, the six for this one. <laughs> and I, oh okay, my God. The last one. The last one. Okay. A lot of the picture books I already had. So that was not as bad, but I had already bought them like throughout the course of the year. But then, yeah. So this episode, like books kept coming in the mail and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I got Did that. I get that? I oh my gosh. So I and had you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then yesterday I was like, oh, I don't know about YA. And I went to my favorite bookstore. That's and a I terrible, bought, terrible thing to do. Bought, that was one, dangerous. Yeah. I bought a middle grade for myself, two picture books for the preschool and one YA book for the podcast. But then there were other YA books I really wanted to get to, but I didn't. <laughs> so, it's terrible. I mean, yeah. like last night, my son was my youngest one, my little dyslexic baby, La, who, mm. you know, reading is like such a chore. He's like, I have to do a book report and I've chosen to do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I'm like, that's good, Aww. but I might have better. So then he's like, can we go to your bookshelves, mom? Of course we can, my love. <laughs> and I end up like, his whole little backpack is full of books today, mm -hmm. for one, because I'm like, because they have to choose their book today. And I'm like, just look yeah. through them, see what you like when you get there. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to order you this one and this one and this one because I read it for the podcast last week. And, oh my God, they look fabulous. You're going to like this. <laughs> it's insane. If my children so much as even say the word book, I'm like, which ones do you want? Let me buy them for you. Do you think you would read that? If you will read that, I will buy that. I will buy that. I will buy oh, two of them. I'll read yeah. one. You read one. We'll read them together. I remember one time when we lived downtown Indianapolis, I had to fill out the survey that was there. Somebody was doing research on like, you know, the literacy level of preschoolers, basically. And I've, when my son was little, I filled out a, a survey and it said like, how many books are in your home? Oh, for and God it God. was like, don't ever know, ask that, that your child has access to. And it was like one to five, five to 10. And I was like, I think I have like 60 books for him. And he's oh, like, please. That's a, I would say more like 70 plus. Oh, that was when I was just getting started though. Now I have a whole room full of books. In fact, I'm looking at two full, full boxes of middle grade books that I was going to take a friend of mine teaches fifth grade. And I told her I had these books and I would help her build up her classroom library uh -huh. with them. And she's like, I want you to wait to come in and it'll be like a gift. Like you can go through all the books with the oh kids. Oh my like God. Present. And tell them about it. That's so yeah. cool. Isn't that so fun? So I'm kind of excited. So I've been trying to go through and pick out. It's it's hard though, because my very, very favorites, I don't want to part with. But, Me too. <laughs> but Me then too. those yeah. are like the best ones that I'm sure the kids would love. So anyway, but yeah, I and I know like most people who do book reviews do the arcs, which we'll probably, we probably should do that. But I just love books so much. I think I would probably read the arc and then buy the book anyway right if you love I like because I feel like I want to support the writer financially yes. I want to support the you know what I mean I want the whole thing to kind of yeah yeah I I really I I agree but I 
and the same thing, like I have a friend also who teaches in a school that's, you know, really struggles and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for her to build her library. So I like to be able to do that. If we review it, I like to be able to pass that book on and give it to her kids. And I, I you know, it's yeah. all, it's all good. It's all, oh, it's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with buying books, especially if you're going to read them. Yes. That's what I say. 100%. And even if you're just going to look at them because they're pretty. <laughs> That's true too. And but don't take the covers shelf. off. I don't like when people take the covers off so that they can color code their books. Please, oh, I have no. to stop that madness. Um, I yes. And speaking of which, I'm reading Fun Home finally. Ooh. The Allison Bedell Bedell. How do you say? I think I said it wrong. But anyway, that um, graphic novel and that's like the compulsion of her father to buy books and the compulsion of her mother to like pass get rid of his books as soon as he died. It's so interesting. It, there's so many parts of it where I'm like, oh, this is fabulously deep. It's a good graphic novel. I haven't read a, an adult graphic novel ever, like aside from a comic, comic book. So it's been really fun. All right. Can we dive in? Because I'm so excited. Yeah. Let's get started. Last time in episode 57, we covered board books, picture books, chapter books, and activity books, which was we a were lot. really we outdid ourselves. Yeah. We we out Oprah'd ourselves. <laughs> I'm just saying. The so, only thing we didn't do is give them to the people free. <laughs> That's true. We can't, we, we're too busy buying them for ourselves. Why we can't right? give them away. Um, so this week we're moving up to big kids, including our sweet spot middle grade books. But before we kind of jump into our list, I just wanted to point out that there are several of our favorite authors and series, you know, who had books that came out this year. And you should definitely check those out if your kiddos are fans. Yes. Like the Third City Spies book came out by James <gasps> Ponte. That came out. In oh, I think that's like, oh no. See, now you just put another book on my list. I to know. Buy. Oh, and, okay. And like Gordon Corman has, I think he has a couple because I reviewed Operation Do over this year. Right. And then he has a book called The Fort. It's supposed to be about a group of boys who are friends, like a band of brothers kind of book, which looked really Ooh, good. Okay, um, okay. And then Kelly Yang, her fourth book in that front desk series about the cute little hotel in California is out. That one's called Key Player. Anyway, lots of good ones are out by great authors that we love. So if there's an author that your kids love, you might want to see if they have a book out this year because a lot of them came out. So now we're going to get started with our middle grade faves. Margie, you want to go first? Yes, I want to start us off. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you um, five boyish books because I tend to always shop more boyish books because I feel like finding books that are really, I mean, there's there's a lot of main characters that are girls. There's not a ton of main characters that are boys. The older you get, the more difficult it is to find. While most boys have no qualms reading either or, but a lot of times boys really want to see themselves represented. So that's why I'm going to err on the side of boys. And you usually go girlish anyway, right? You're pretty girly. Yeah, I was going to say you're the counterbalance to my like girly fantasy books. (laughs) I'm the butch to your lipstick. Let's just say it. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're the humor to my uh, princesses. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay, so my first book is for lower middle grade readers, and it's a brand new release. It's highly illustrated. It's super fun. It's called Quest Kids and the Dragon Pants of Gold by Mark uh, Leakness. How do you say that? L-E-I-K-N-E-S. Leakness. Yeah, Leakness, I would say. All right. By Mark Leakness. It's a tale of the Quest Kids. Now, this is why I love this book. Okay. So first there's Gil, and he's a wizard in training, and he has a beard because he's a wizard, of course, that beard's not his own, um, because he's a kid. So he has a fake beard. <laughs> a, fake, a fake beard. Ooh, I love it. Right. But he's a real wizard. He's just working on the beard part. 
Um, there's Tara, a 700-year-old elf kid. Mm. There's Boulder, a rock troll who um, really likes to cook more than he likes to fight mm-hmm. because, you know, trolls are kind of angry, but this one likes to cook. And then there's Ash, a farting pig-dog lizard hybrid. <laughs> oh, and Ned, who's also their leader, and Ned is trying to help save the land but he's also looking for his missing parents so first of all let's put the ragtag bunch together and you've got me right you've got all these little kind of freak shows and you got me in and the illustrations are super fun and it's there's a lot of illustrations within the book which i think is great for lower middle grade especially kids that are just making the jump from chapter book into a little bit bigger you know a little more page count a little higher page count a little bit meatier book um so these kids are all ready to go on their first quest right the quest is to find the golden fleeced rage beast, shave it, and then make a really nice golden tracksuit that will make the furious dragon happy. And that will be the quest that they must uh, accomplish. No, no problem, right? Right. <laughs> so uh, that's basically the quest, kids. It's it's a new one out there. Um, and do they do it? I cannot tell you because I um I, I don't want to give away the ending. But there, it's basically a sweet little you know. It's one of those kind of um. Heroes journey books, but the heroes are kind of a, a ragtag bunch of mismatches. It gives me very strong Last Kids on Earth vibe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But it's more fantasy. Yeah, it's it's more fantasy. You know, have like on the Last Last yeah. Kids on Earth, there's sort of monsters and kids, and then blends all together. It's mm-hmm. got that. The the illustrations are very similar to that as well. You kind of see, you know, how like Last Kids on Earth has a lot of uh, like half page illustration, mm-hmm. half page, half text, or something like that. It's got a lot of that as well. But that is my first choice, and that is called uh, Quest Kids and the Dragon Pants of Gold by Mark. How did I say that? Le- leakness. I am terrible with last names. So there we go. I'm sorry. We've we've established that. Um, my second one is called The Claude Series by an Emily Chenoweth. These books, I have now ordered all six of them because I can't stop. So Claude is an evil commander from the planet, planet L-Y-T-T-Y-R. B-O-K-S. Yes, that's litter box. (laughs) (laughs) Claude is a cat. He's a warlord cat. He's a warlord cat and his high commander. I mean, come on. And it's Claude. (laughs) K-W-L-A-D-E. So that is Claude, the Claude series. Now, there are six books in this series. And Claude is from another planet. And he gets kind of diverted to Earth, right? Um, he loses his throne. He was a warlord. He loses his throne and he is banished and he's sentenced to this horrible, horrible planet that he is going to have to sort of fight his way through. And that planet, of course, is Earth. So Claude, the warlord cat, gets sent to Earth um, and he is not allowed to go back to the planet litter box. <laughs> I could have had five recommendations that were all cat books. I'm just saying, because there are so many funny ones out there. So let me tell you the books in this. So book one is called Claude, Evil Alien Warlord Cat. Number two is Evil Alien Warlord, Warlord Cat Enemies. Number three is The Space Dog Cometh, which, I mean, hello. The fourth is Target Earth. The fifth is Emperor of the Universe. And the last one is Revenge of the Kitten Queen. Mm. So these look super funny. I have not read them all yet. I have taken a look at them. They're super fun. The illustrations are hilarious. And the thing that I like about these like crazy cat things is that they're very gender bender neutral, right? Mm-hmm. So like all of these, like the castronauts that I was talking about last week and and this the Claude series as well, is that boys love crazy cats, 
And girls love crazy cats. And there's no sort of, you're not pigeonholing them into one or the other. It's just a really fun book that anybody's going to pick up and read. Uh-huh. So um, that's the Claude series by Emily Chenoweth. And those are six six books in that so far. So far, I have to say. Um, all right. My third book is called, or it's another series. See, I, again, I, I had to give you a few series because last week we were talking about this as well. If you, if you're like an auntie like me, I don't want to just send you one book. I want to send you like five books in that same series. So you'll keep reading. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give you a few series in that. The third one, the third one is a series so far. It's only got two, but I believe there's another one on the way. And it is the dark, excuse me, the dork Lord series by Mike Johnston. <laughs> so the first book is confessions of a dork Lord. And that came out in 2020. And the new one just came out uh, and it's called grave danger confessions of a dork Lord. So this is the newest one just recently came out this uh, May, I think it was. So Wick is the son of a dark lord and heir to the throne of black and broken glass, right? This horrible dark world, right? He's heir to this. He's next in line to be the leader of the grim world. Unfortunately, he is not doing so well in his training and he cannot get out of remedial spell casting. <laughs> he can't seem to even like, there's like a spell that kind of can can get the smell of farts away. He can't even master that one yet. So things aren't going so well. Um, he's allergic to fire and the smoke that comes up during when he's casting the smells. He's allergic to that too. He's got some issues, right? So the bullies at school, I love this, the bullies at Dark Lord school have named him Dork Lord. So um, Confessions of a Dork Lord is sort of like his journal as he kind of comes up with a, a way to defeat these bullies and sort of achieve greatness and survive Middle Ages school. <laughs> uh, I, I, You know, I'm always here with the puns. Oh I love, So that's the, that's the Dork Lord series. And they look really fun, too. They kind of have um, they're very high. Again, they're lower middle grade. They're definitely very highly um, illustrated. They're sort of fun and festive books for kids to read. Now I've gotten darker. Let me go to my dark side. I'm darker going to this than dark, dark Lord. <laughs> dork Lord. It's Dork, dork Lord. Lord. Sorry. Dork Lord, mind you. Okay. So this one, my I was telling my husband about this book. And he's like, could you order me that book? Is it weird that I'm reading a kid's book? It's a it's a new book. It just came out. Um, actually, it just came out last week. It came out uh, middle of December, actually. Well, you know, or, excuse in, me, in November. O- in October, we highlighted some pretty dark books, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. So. so this one is super cool, but it's not dark in the scary. It's dark in the dystopian. Okay. So I, I, which again is kind of touch and go because we seem to be living in dystopia. So who knows? So this is the switch by Roland Smith. And it's for, um, you know, I would say it could go either way. It could be higher middle grade or it could be sort of middle, middle grade. Anyway, this is a dystopian tale for those kids that are like into survivalism or dystopian tales. And we remember we said, what was it? 99, was it 99 miles? We read yes. that in, last year. And it was like, if you liked that, you will love this. Well, I liked that very much. So apparently I will like this. Henry is just beginning to celebrate his 13th birthday. So it's his 13th birthday. And all of a sudden, boom, shakalaka, the power goes out. And he lives on a farm outside of Portland. Okay. Um, there's no power. There's no phones. There's no radios. And all of a sudden, planes start falling from the sky. Whoa. Henry lives on this farm, this sort of crunchy farm with some weirdo family members, like some sort of eccentric family members. And his father runs a zoo. His father is gone at the time of this. And then suddenly everybody starts to think that maybe this farm had something to do with it because Henry's uncle, who's a little bit crazy, put up his own wind turbine. And they think that that might have caused um, an electromagnetic pulse that sort of sent everything out of whack. Henry's farm is the only place where there's power. So as is want to do in these type of things, people are trying to sort of get to them. Uh, 
steal their stuff, get power from them. So they have to fortify the farm and sort of to keep the lawlessness at bay, right? It's like that old Again. philosophy question of if you had a well on your property and it was the last water, what would you do? Exactly. You know, exactly. Like well, I'll okay. tell you what Henry's family did. They boarded things up so no one could get the well. So this goes on for quite some time. They even, um, you know, like the one thing that the book that I've read about the book that there's some, so it does sort of divert from sort of that story and kind of, it's got some, there's, there are some glitches in the storytelling that people had mentioned in reviews, but overall, the, the I think it just seems like a really good plot. So it mm-hmm. kind of keeps you engaged. Um, so after they kind of fortify the farm, they realize that they have got hit. Henry decides he has to find his father. So after several months, he decides to go out looking for them. But when Henry leaves the farm, that means he's on the outside of the compound walls where everyone is after him. And he has to try to figure out how to na- not only navigate this world where there's no power, there's no energy, there's no um, there's no anything, but he also has to kind of dodge all the people that have been trying to get out of him for the last few months and hopefully find his father. Wow. So it seems like a really good, a really good read, a really good kind story. Kind of makes me think of Alone. That we read yes. too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of if you're into that dystopian thing, or if you have a kid that's into that dystopian thing, there's some really great books out there. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of the the newest one to add. Like um, it's it's the end of the world. What's it? What was that one that we read? That one? The world ends in April. Oh, yeah. That's the world ends. Yeah, in the April. world ends in yeah. April. That yeah. was, you know, 99 miles um alone. We read some really good ones that kind of I don't know, kind of give it a positive-ish spin or an interesting It shows kids surviving under really harsh circumstances. Yeah. Forgotten City. That was another one Mm. that we liked. Yeah. Or I liked That's the one I was thinking of too. Yeah. Yeah. I love those books where kind of like civilization, and I have another one that I chose as well for later, but those books where it's kind of civilization dissolves, but the kids survive. Oh, yeah. and Or they're always like, even like Last Kids on Earth, the same thing. Like they're trying to find out, are they really... Everybody is, is there anybody out there? I kind of love that. I love that trope. Like, am I, am I the only one? Are we the only ones left? Is there anybody out there? Did everyone else die? It's fabulous. So this is anyway, that's one of those. And that is called The Switch by Roland Smith. And it's got a great cover with like, a. it kind of looks like, um, oh, what was the, the city of, kind of looks like City of Ember, like a cover oh, yeah. of the City of Ember. Yeah, it's really cool. And the last one is, um, I love Kwame Alexander books. I love him. I love him. I love him. He wrote the crossover. He writes these great books in verse. He's just a really interesting writer. He is so good for reluctant readers. He's so good for boys that don't want to sit down for more than five minutes and read. Even my older son loves Kwame Alexander because you can really get a lot in a very short amount of time. I use him a lot for like analysis where I'm actually using him in class Thursday night for a piece of um, literary analysis because his short choppy sentences are really fabulous. Kind of like Gwendolyn Brooks, but um, anyway, he's fabulous. He's got a new one out and this he's kind of, he's done a lot of sports books. He's, but this is sort of a fantasy and this is the door of no return. And it's the first one in a trilogy, but it's the only one that's out right now. So it's important. Like if you wanted to get started on something, then this is the one to get, but the other ones aren't out yet and they won't be out for a little bit. Um, And it's based in, in uh, this sort of fantasy world, right? So Kofi lives and dreams on the banks of the river Ofen. And he he loves like his family and his fireside tales and his father and a girl named Ama. And he loves to swim in the river. 
And he feels that in that river, he's just invincible and he can prove himself to be like, it's kept, it always kept, kept giving me like Black Panther vibes. Remember oh, like when yeah, the Black yeah. Panther's fighting in the water? Like as long as he's in that river, he has all the strength to take on all the enemies. That's all I keep thinking of um, because I also can't wait to see the new Black Panther. Oh, I know. I know. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Anyway, so he's, when he's in that river, he kind of has power and he feels so much power, but he also knows that the river holds dark secrets and he's going to discover those dark secrets very soon. And they've told him, his family, his village, everyone has said, never venture into the river at night after nightfall. But no one ever told him why. Well, you know, you never should do that to a teenage boy or a young <laughs> Right. You got to tell him Never why. say, right, don't go in there because it's dangerous because their first thing they're going to do is go in there to find out why it's dangerous. <laughs> so one night he does and it transforms his whole life and the world turns upside down and he ends up on this journey that kind of takes him away from everything he loves and he's trying to fight to get back to where he came from. Nice. Again, if you are a fan of Kwame Alexander, like I am, you should get the series get the series. I, I can't wait. To, also, like he's done so many great sports books mm -hmm. that I really, really am excited to see him take, you know, like, where are you going to take this sort of fantasy, this kind of, you know, this, this fantasy world and where are we going to go? I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And there's two more coming as well. So. Ooh, cool. And these aren't in verse, right? These are just regular. They are. Books. It is. Oh, yeah, it is. Verse. This one's in oh, verse okay. as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. You know, if you do something, do it right, girl. That's oh, it. he's like, he's like, as long as I'm good at it, I might as well. And I love those. We've talked about this so many times. I love those books in verse for reluctant readers. They're perfect because there's not a lot of words on the page and it looks attainable, you know, it's it great. is. And it's, you know, you can really get the story without oh, and a lot I of love the precision of them. How you come away feeling like you read a full, rich novel, but it was yeah. all in verse. I Within half of the it. words. Yeah. 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 It's great. So uh, that's Kwame Alexander's new one, The Door of No Return. So that's the book one of the of the trilogy. So there awesome. we go. What do you got? Okay, Tell me is more. It my turn? Okay. It's your turn. Here we go. You take, us, take us to the girls because I had... <laughs> um, I was all about the boys and cats, of course. I, <laughs> yeah, some know. of mine can be kind of for both, but yeah, you know, a little bit more girl stuff here. All right. So I have to start out with our favorite author, Margaret Peterson Haddix. MPH! <laughs> so um, I think I mentioned this book after I had met her at the book signing at my favorite kids bookstore here in Indianapolis. And uh, that was when we uh, did the episode of the review of School for Whatnots, which I right, right, right. highly recommend that book so too. Good. So good. The Secret Letters is the other book she had out this year. So do you know that woman puts out two books every year? She was, I just saw on her Facebook page, she's like, oh, I'm done with my book signing tour. Now back to working on my two books that are coming out or finished editing the two books that are coming out next year. It's because her children are grown. She's amazing. So, She's insane. Anyway, so The Secret Letters is the second book that she put out this year. It's a fantastic standalone realistic fiction book about two modern kids, Colin and Nevaeh, who stumble across an old stack of letters from the 1970s. It's not that old. Jeez, kids. Well, that's true. It's old to the kids. <laughs> but I mean, you had me right there, like finding hidden letters in an attic. Hello. That oh, you had me by the 70s. I, I was there. I you said the 70s. Too. And I'm like, I'll take it. Thank that you. too. So yeah. So, you know, Colin finds the first stack while he's cleaning junk out of an attic, which is his summer job. And he, he knows he should throw them away, but he's really taken in by these letters. So he decides to save them. And the letters lead him to Nevaeh 
who's uh, has the other side of the letters, ex- you know, exchanged between these two friends, Mo- Rosemary and Ta- Toby in the 70s. And one of the letters reads like a confession of a crime. And so that sets these two new friends, Colin and Nevea, who are kind of like their their parents are sort of at a, a competitive odds against each other in business. And so they kind of their friendship is a little wobbly anyway, but it sends them on this journey to discover what happened to the letter writers, as well as this kind of dive into the history of the 70s, which includes a little bit about the ERA and other oh nice yeah so other social issues from the 70s which i think is so fascinating and the book is set in a small town in ohio and you know present times but standard mph fair it has lots of twists and turns that you know people weren't expecting it's just so fun awesome did you know that ironically i had a friend who is um an ob in indianapolis and she said that nevea was one of the most common names of girls really Because it's heaven spelled backwards. Oh. Who knew, right? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a cool name. Yeah. I never heard it outside of Indiana, though. I always hear it in Indiana. I mean, everyone here is named like Seamus and whatnot, but... But anyway, that's my, 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 yes. Isn't that interesting? Oh, that's cool that she picked it That's up. MPH right on the pulse. It Finger is. on the pulse, Margaret. It Finger is. on the pulse. It All is. right, good honor. All right. So that is The Secret Letters by Margaret Peterson Haddix. The second one I have is Otter by Catherine Applegate. Okay, first off, Catherine Applegate is everywhere because she wrote The One and Only Ivan. And all the sequels to that. So she's super famous. She wrote Willow Dean and Wish Tree, which I think all just came out recently. So she's another prolific one, just like MPH. She's super popular. Um, So this book has been everywhere, which, you know, normally we try to give you a little bit more obscure books, but... I, I got that one covered today. So you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. But the cover of this one is so darn cute. It has the cutest little otter on the cover and I just couldn't resist it. Oh, I've seen this book. Yeah. It's got a cute little otter on the cover. I have seen this book. Adorable. Otter by Catherine Applegate is written in free verse. It's another one. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. And it's a really short book too. So this is perfect for like lower middle grade or reluctant readers. Perfect. It's a, uh, about a playful acrobatic otter living a carefree life on the co- off the coast of central california until she has an encounter with a great white shark that changes everything Ooh. so this book though it's so fascinating because it's based on a 90s program at the monterey bay aquarium that put orphaned pups with surrogate mothers in an effort to save them oh interesting yeah so that ends up being the story of this otter where obviously you know spoiler alert she lost her mom to the great white shark and now she's in this program this is some bambi stuff here oh i know why you got to kill the mother why we always got to kill the mother (laughs) i was like totally disney style sad but it also is really hopeful and a creative story. And like so many teachers gave it really good reviews because it's a great one for read aloud, right? Because it's in, yeah, verse, yeah, yeah. It's in free verse and it's a short oh, story yeah. book. So it's perfect for read aloud. It's perfect for lower middle grade, reluctant readers, anyone. There was even like a second grade teacher who had read it um, to her students. So obviously, 
even though it's kind of has sad parts to this book, it's, you know, it's okay for even second, third, fourth, fifth graders. Although I got to tell you, my kids, they all said that about PAX too. And my kids started sobbing like about like chapter two and we yeah. never, ever finished reading PAX. <laughs> it depends on how sensitive your children are. That I guess. is very true. Because especially with animals, like my son yes. couldn't handle anything bad happening to animals in a story. So yeah. But I mean, I think <laughs> Otter comes out of Our kids okay. are like, kill the people. We don't care, yeah. but save the animals. Exactly. I'm kind of that way too, though. Yeah. Anyway. I know. So um, that's Otter by Catherine Applegate. You'll see that anywhere you look. So that one's not hard to find. Uh, the next one is also another one that's kind of everywhere, but I, I, um, I can't not mention this book. It's The Ogress and the Orphans because I love Kelly Barnhill. She wrote um, The Girl Who Drank the Moon, which oh, is- Oh, you love I that love one. I love that story. It won a Newbery. And so her this book has, uh, The Ogress and the Orphans has been on my TBR pile this year for a while now. So I had to stick it into this episode because it didn't come up anywhere else. This book, The Ogress and the Orphans, has the same like fantastic world building and complex characters as The Girl Who Drank the Moon. It's just fantastic. It's set in a small village, similar to the you know Girl Who Drank the Moon, just like I'm saying. But this town is having problems with fires. The library has burned. The school is burned down. Some of the neighborhoods have been partially burned. And the mayor of the town promises he can solve all the problems because he is a dragon slayer. Oh, right. I mean, aren't they all? Right. Okay. So he's implying that all their troubles are being caused by the dragon. By a dragon. By a dragon, yes. So, but the orphans at Orphan House, they aren't so sure that that's what's happening. So they work with the kindly ogress who lives at the edge of town to uncover the truth. Now, this ogress I love because she's, I think she's kind of based on the uh, the witch that delivers gifts. Do you know that story? No, I've never even heard of an ogress before. I think it's like a Russian fairy tales or somewhere. somewhere oh, where there's is a it witch. Is it, is yeah. it a, it's like it's some Eastern European. Yes, 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 yes. I think it's like Poland or Czechoslovakia, something Eastern European. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this ogress made me think of it because she has like a bunch of crows for, for friends, which hello, li- that's one of my life goals. <laughs> Oh my God, you are so funny. I hate we birds. Ha- we on. have a group of them in our neighborhood and I'm always like super nice to them because they'll bring you like shiny stuff and they, I don't know if they like you. You're anyway. super nice to the crows, but yeah. yet not the neighbors maybe. Okay. <laughs> Again, animals over people. But right. um, okay. anyway, so her, her crows though deliver gifts in the town. And so anyway, so the, the orphans are friends with Ogress because she takes care of them basically and um then like one of the orphan kids goes missing and the mayor tries to blame it on the ogress and turn the whole of town course. against her yeah of yeah course. so that's when it takes the turn and the kids have to figure out what's going on but it has like a very fairy tale fable quality about it which is fantastic i highly recommend that the ogress and the orphans by kelly barnhill all right nice so the next couple ones I have are a little less uh, less well-known, a um, little more obscure. The next author I wanted to talk about is David Walliams. Now, he has a huge following in the UK and I think maybe even in Australia. He's been called the successor to Roe Dahl because he has a very similar like sense of humor as Roe Dahl books. And With he, a little bit of darkness tucked in yeah, there. Yeah, a little, like, yeah, okay. like all the adults are really nasty people and the kids yeah. are really clever, witty you know, outsmarting. I, I like that. Yeah. And, and humor. And uh, he has like a bazillion books out. So if you have a kid who likes 
funny books, a little bit more realistic fiction, but you know, silly. And and they also have a ton of illustrations through them. Check out David Williams, Williams with an A. Okay. So he has a new book out called Space Boy, filled with all that Brit humor, you know. But Space Boy is his newest book set in the space race era of the 1960s in America. So this one's set Fantastic, in America. Yeah. Um, the main character is Ruth. And she is an orphan, but she lives on a farm with her terrible aunt who works her too hard. By the way, it's an ostrich farm. So that's pretty Excellent. funny. Excellent. I like right it. There. Yeah. And Ruth is obsessed with space. And um, she even named her dog Yuri after cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, nice. of course. And one night, Ruth is looking through her telescope and she sees an actual UFO crash near the farm. And there's an alien in it. And so she races to help the alien before anyone else can get there because obviously U.S. and Russia are pitted against each other in the race to space and all this stuff. So there's a lot of bigger stuff going on. But then like the antics ensue. And okay, this sounds fabulous. And this I know. is going right on my list. I think this I'm, sounds fantastic. I was going to I actually bought this book to send to your boys. But so, okay, good. Then, then I won't send it to them. <laughs> and then I put it on my list. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great book for kids who not only like really like space because there's a lot of space information kind of uh non-fiction kind of stuff thrown in there but and also information about the history of the space race but also for you know kids who love funny books or like diary wimpy kid lovers you know people i think it would be right up their alley because it has a lot of illustrations it's british humor which can sometimes be a little excessive but yeah <laughs> but actually the reviews were saying this one felt a little bit reined in so maybe he's trying to break into the u.s market <laughs> by putting it a character in the u.s but yeah so he has a ton of books so if somebody gets hooked on david williams you i mean i think he started writing like back in 2009 or something like that so yeah it goes he goes way back oh i'm gonna check him out i, I that's a new one for me awesome yeah space boy by david williams i just thought it was fun and i kind of like the main character is a girl um, who's really into space. So yeah. that's cool. Okay. The, my last uh, recommendation is totally random. Um, it's called Big Rig by Louise Hawks uh, or Haas. Sorry. It's not a normal pick for me, uh, but I was like kind of fascinated by this book. I've seen this one. Have you? I didn't I know had, what it's about. I mm -hmm. had never seen it. So I was like, really kind of surprised. But, I mean, it's a realistic fiction book, but it just seems so interesting. So Big Rig is about Hazel, who goes by Hazmat on the road. I like it. <laughs> Her dad is a long haul trucker and Hazmat really loves their life on the road. They crisscross the U.S. They've been doing it for years. Um, now she's, I think, 13 in this story. Um, and her mom's ashes accompany them everywhere with a prominent place on the dashboard. So obviously her mom died when she was younger and uh, she basically homeschools on the road and it shows like her, it's pretty rigorous homeschooling. It doesn't make fun of homeschooling or trying to, you know, anything like that. Uh -huh. It's pretty, I thought that was kind of cool. So Hazmat uh, learns a lot actually from her schooling and also like crazy surprises that they encounter like plane crashes and hitchhikers and abandoned babies like all kinds of crazy things happen that they see on the road um but hazmat's dad's now that she's getting older thinks that maybe it would be better for her to settle down somewhere and so he's really thinking about changing their life and buying a house and just um living in one place but hazmat really does not want to do that and that's sort of what the story is about that's interesting that's i i like that that's like such a different 
not for nothing, but you know, there's a lot of jobs that just don't make the books. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's just not a lot of times where people are like, let's talk about like how that affects a kid having a, a parent that's an over the road trucker. And I think that's such an interesting take on something that's a really huge part of our society, but is very seldom ever glamorized in, yeah, in this I, way. I felt like this one with the supply chain being the buzzword yeah. for this year, I thought this would be kind of an interesting way to take like that real life concept that adults are talking about and introduce it to readers in a way that they can really connect with. And it's also, we've read so many cool, like diverse slice of life books in the last couple of years, you know, about learning uh-huh. about the Chinese experience or the, you know, all these different experiences across the board, the Indian American experience uh, um, that I feel like this is kind of an, another interesting slice of life that kids, a lot of kids aren't exposed to. So yeah, um, that's a good one. That sounds yeah. really good. Big Rig by Louise Hawes. All right. So that's all of our middle grade picks then. So next up is our YA picks. Um, this is definitely not my area of expertise. I used to read a lot of YA, but I just have been reading so much middle grade lately. So I had to reach out for some help on this one. Well, and I think that YA has taken a turn and we've talked about this before, but I think YA is from when you used, you always used to read more than I did before, but it's gotten older yeah, and more mature. Yeah, I feel like the YA so books now are like in middle grade. The ones that I would have read are probably considered yeah. middle grade. For what, for what it's worth, I do believe girls read a lot more YA books than boys. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a, the mother of an avid YA reader or an avid YA reader yourself, which tends to be skew a little bit younger, like like adults that read YA tend to skew in their 20s and maybe early 30s. Um, it's just not something that we we really spend a lot of time on. So I think it's it's it was a good stretch to make us go look for them. Though. I think so, too. And I also think it's such an interesting age because a lot of kids at that point are like, well, I'm just going to read grown up books. Right. I'm not even going to buy like you were saying, your son wants to read like all of the um, Clancy. Yeah. Tom Clancy. All the espionage books and spy books and stuff like that. And, you know, really, honestly, a lot of those are appropriate for kids because there's not a lot of I mean I guess there's a lot of violence but is there any more than in Call of Duty well right that's probably true and it's just about as fake as in Call of Duty so I think it's well and like you said there um a lot more girls maybe read in the genre which I think is also very reflective in the books that are in this genre so which unfortunate yeah yeah. do you want me to go first because I do have yeah go ahead all of my books are kind of girl books I mean I hate hate to give a gender to a book but Let's no, but I think that, um, I think that it is a problem that you know that the YA community, for lack of a better term, needs to be aware of is that even if you are a boy or a parent of a boy or a teacher of a boy, and my kids and I have discussed this, my 10th grade class and I've discussed this before, there are boys in there that are really avid readers, and there's not a good books out there for them. There's not when you're looking through a list of YA books. There are 35 book lists on the books and 34 of them are geared in some way, shape or form, mostly to girls. And that's huge. Well, okay. So I went to my local bookstore for some help, first of all, because, you know, that's I love my local bookstore (laughs) and um, it's called Four Kids Books. And they uh, are so fantastic. They actually had a section like their top five picks for um, YA and actually it was pretty balanced. I, I was impressed because there were three. Uh, what I would say were more like fantasy romance books or, or mm-hmm. you know, one wasn't necessarily fantasy, but they were more romance heavy. And then one like really great historical fiction, which I think you have on your list. And then the other one I sent you was like a graphic novel that was for, for about a uh, boy newspaper reporter. And, yeah. 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 
So I think that they tried to really balance it out, which I thought thought was impressive. But anyway, so on their list was a book that I like snatched off the shelf as fast as I could. It's called Bravely. And that was the one that came home with me. Bravely by Maggie uh, Steve. Uh, Stifvader? Stifvader, yeah. We Sorry, Maggie, we really just massacred your name. This is a sequel to the movie Brave, but it's a YA The Disney book. movie? Yes. Oh, so I has, never saw it. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite one. What? You know I don't like early stuff. Okay, but- My Mer- niece was like obsessed with it in oh, Turkey, yeah. but oh, I yeah. never watched it. Okay, so Merida is one of my favorite characters because she she was such, such a cool character. So- She's like part of a Scottish clan, you know, so she's like, she's a tough girl, right? So this book is the sequel to the movie. So it's like basically kind of a couple years later. So she's older. And this time Merida has one year to save everyone she loves, including her chieftain father and her triplet brothers. All the characters are in the book because two gods are challenging the stagnation that has come to her kingdom and threaten to demolish it if she can't revive like their rebel spirit. Isn't that fascinating? This is so you. Oh my god. This gosh. is so you. Oh my god, this is like 1000% something you would read. I know. I love it. I know. It sounds good though. Especially because the girls that are would be reading YA books or the whoever, not just mm-hmm. girls, I should shouldn't say that. But I'm saying cuz I was just saying like my niece was obsessed with that movie mm-hmm. and now my niece would be exactly of this age. Right. She's you know, she's a junior in high school right. and so that would be exactly who would be reading this book. So that's interesting. I know isn't it great? Perfect timing. Well done, Maggie. Yeah, the timing on it is like perfect. Look at all these brilliant Margarets we have. Margaret Peterson had it. I know. Mar- Maggie Steiff. Flatter and Margie Ozeman. I mean, goes with the name. It just goes with the name. It's a lot of ways to have a Margaret. That's all I'm saying. I love, I love Maggie. That's always one of my favorite names. And Margie's good too. I have a cousin named Maggie. That's how original my family is. I literally have a first cousin whose name is also Margaret, and she is Maggie, and I am Margie. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? It's like the family has all the Marys, so you have to say the exactly Mary Kate, Mary Catherine, Mary Margaret. Yeah. Anyway, it's bravely. I just think it sounds fantastic. She goes on like three epic journeys in the story to try to save her clan. How cool is that? That's good. And I like, like, like you're that saying, if your kid loved that movie, then this is perfect. This is perfect. perfect. Yeah. Christmas perfect timing. Gift. Yep. All right. The second book is another one that was a pick at my local bookstore, and it's called Magic Steeped in Poison. This is another one you're going to die. It's so much like me. It's by Judy Lynn. And Magic Steeped in Poison is about main character Ning, who accidentally brewed a poison tea that killed her mother and is threatening the life of her sister. I mean, hello. 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 Okay, so she enters a tea-making contest, like the ancient art of tea-making, in the kingdom's imperial city, because the winner will receive a favor from the princess, and Ning is hoping that that will help save her sister, that the princess can somehow figure out how to save her sister. So poor naive Ning, though, she's a you know, small country girl, right? And she's met with backstabbing and court politics she is. and other dangers in the city that threaten 
and her, you know, success in the contest and maybe even her life. All the tropes of a good YA tale, isn't I it? I know, isn't it? Sounds fantastic. Backstabbing. I think there's even yes. like, I think there's a boy in it too. So there, I, I was going to say there has to be yeah. some romance. So the, but the magic in this book is all based on tea. So, you know, I'm That's there really into, it. yeah, I'd really be into <laughs> that too, though. Isn't that cool? Now that I am an, of an advanced age like you, <laughs> I too am making the swap from coffee to tea. Mm-hmm. So I can appreciate this now because that's what happens when you're old. You have to swap from coffee to tea because <laughs> it makes your tummy hurt. <laughs> that's what happens to old people. That sounds really good yeah. though. Now I'm a little worried. I just drank some tea. I hope my children didn't poison, didn't poison me. you. Yeah. So, and this is the uh, magic steeped in poison is the first book in the series too. So it's a new series. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And the second book I think is scheduled to come out next year. I like to get in when the, when the series is new. Yeah. I like fun. to get in on top, you know? Yeah. And then the last uh, recommendation I have comes from the YA fantasy addicts group that I follow on Facebook because I love those people so much. I love that you follow your favorite Facebook group is the YA fantasy addicts group. And my favorite Facebook group is the fat runners group. (laughs) (laughs) This says everything about us, (laughs) the fat runners versus the nerdy readers. Yeah. All right. Yes. If you're not a member of the fat runners group, come join us. We fat ladies like to talk about running and being fat. Go on. <laughs> and if you like YA fantasy, then join the YA fantasy group because they give fantastic recommendations. They might even be fat runners on the slide. You <laughs> they don't might know. be, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this group is great because I was like, what was your favorite book this year? And I got like so many great comments. But the top book, I have to say, is The Ballad of Never After by Stephanie Garber. And this is actually the second book, though, in a series. The first one came, is called Once Upon a Broken Heart. And it came out last year in September. And then this one, The Ballad of Never After, came out this year in September. So if you have a fantasy romance lover, you got a two book set Christmas wow. holiday gift right two, there. Two things I cannot stand in a book <laughs> or a movie. So the two, last two things. It's like it's like a Hallmark movie on crack. No, no, All right. no, no. This is better though because this one it is really different because okay, it's based on revenge. So it's not so like All right. sweet. Well, if there's murder, we can talk. Yeah. I, okay. Here we go. So the fantasy book starts with true love. It starts with true love instead of ending with it. So uh, right there, right there, uh, right there is better though. Okay. Because I always hate it when they love, end in true love. When you, you know, like all those stories that end in true love, you're like, yeah, but then what happened? Right. Because <laughs> that doesn't last forever. But anyway, um, so it starts with the true love story. With Evangeline and her guy. And she thinks she's found her happily ever after. But then her true love marries her sister. He dumps oh, her. Oh, that has to hurt. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. So in an attempt to stop the wedding, Evangeline makes a deal with the wicked Prince of Hearts. Now, this is Jack. Okay. I like that. That's yeah. a good one. See, I told you it gets better. Okay. So ja- this the Prince of Hearts is Jax, who's a spinoff character from Caraval. So fantasy people lovers will know Caraval. That's a super huge series by Stephanie Garber that everyone loves. And Jax is a character in that. So he is in this book and this, you know, so this is sort of a spinoff story. So the Wicked Prince of Hearts, she makes a deal with him. And of course, 
he is an immortal who cannot be trusted, right? So he betrays her and nothing works out the way she hopes. But then in the second book, Evangeline finds her own magic. Oh, touche. So then she tries to once again, like, return the love that she lost. But then, you know, the Prince of Hearts gets involved again. I just think they sound fun because it's not quite so, like, happy and perfect. It's, like, based on, starts out with revenge and then, you know, her working it out. It's sort of like Knott's Landing. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like Knott's Landing, but... With maybe like swords and immortals. But then again, weren't some of them immortal? I mean, they did live forever with that plastic surgery. But I mean, I kind of like how it's about like dealing with the aftermath of a breakup instead of, and you know, not everybody handles that well. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not. People want revenge. (laughs) Can't blame a girl. The Y fantasy people thought it was amazing. They thought it was a great adventure story and wonderful fantasy story. So, and they read a lot of fantasy. So if they're saying they liked this one, I would believe that it must be good. Yeah. 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 So Margie, what are your YA books for us? Well, um, the fat runners didn't have a lot to say, (laughs) but they did tell you which shoes to buy. So there we go. So um, I did not find my picks online. What I did was, honest to God, my oldest son is driving me bonkers trying to find books that he will read because he is 14. He is a jock. He is really, really obsessed with nothing more than sports. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a in a great hunt to find things that he will read. I'd find books and I'd read him the preview. And I'm like, do you think you'd read this? And if he said yes, it made mm-hmm. it on my list. Mm-hmm. So I have three books that are very sort of... Um, boy centric mm-hmm. um two of them I, I, I bought for him one of them he was up in the air about so i'm going to give you all three so the first one is called gabe in the after by uh shannon deleski but it would be lower ya but it would also i felt like it was a little bit heavy for middle grade it's a little bit lighter than the average ya so it's sort of lower lower ya upper middle grade somewhere in there but um you know he's a freshman he thought it sounded good so there we go so two years after a global pandemic <clears throat> Too soon, Shannon, too soon. Um, 20, 20 survivors, and most of them were children, were have been relocated to this coastal Maine island. Well, if you if you know anything about Maine, there's islands a go-go. They're also cold and rocky. So I, this the thought of the setting. I was like, oh, I really like this. Also, in that setting, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of difficulties to survive on a coastal island in Maine or in anywhere in New England, but there's also a lot of opportunities for survival. There's a lot of fresh food and that sort of stuff as well. So I thought that the setting itself was really interesting. They've all been relocated to this island and um, they're kind of like just trying to get by and sort of return to a little bit of an, of an, of a regular life because these are the survivors. This is who's left. This is who's probably going to repopulate the, the world as far as they know. Right. But one day Gabe and his dog, um, they go over to a nearby island to kind of do some foraging and stuff. And they find a girl in the woods on the mainland. Um, and she is telling them all of these things. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take you back to live with the group because maybe, you know, is there something to it? Is she kind of crazy? Is she also kind of cute? All of these things are sort of a part of the, a part of the story. So this girl tells lots of stories of hope and she has these huge stories, but they don't quite understand. The kids on the island don't quite understand are they true? And how could she possibly be so positive? Because there's only 20 of them left, really, not 21 surviving. Um, but then something tragic happens and he has to, Gabe sets out on a dangerous journey to try to find out if there are other survivors and is there really a normal world out there like before? I love a hero's journey. 
I love a hero's journey. I love a dystopian. I love that when you, it just, it's kind of like a, an older version of the, with a little bit different circumstances of the one that I mentioned in my middle grade, the, um, the switch by Roland Smith, sort of that kind of something really, really bad has happened. I've been safe in my little group of people like me, but now I have to go out and see, is there something else out there? Mm-hmm. And, um, I love that storyline. I I don't know why I always get sucked into this. I like that. So that is called Gabe in the After by Shannon Dolesky. There's a little bit of love in there. There's a lot of bit of survival, a little bit of dystopian, a little bit of sadness, kind of everything a YA needs. So that's my first one. My second one is called Before Takeoff by Addie Alsed. And that came out in July of this year. Again and again and again, the comparison was The Sun is Also a Star meets Jumanji. Oh. So this is a little bit more romancy. Mm-hmm. Um, James and Michelle are the two main characters. They're teenagers. They're very, very different. They happen to end up in Atlanta at the airport at the same time on a layover, and that's where they meet. Um, they don't seem to have a lot in common, but there is something that keeps drawing them to this flashing green light, and this flashing green light ends up to be a button. And as to goonball teenagers would do they decide to press the button and when they press the button it unleashes something that breaks the rules of the universe and uh hartsville jackson airport has snowstorms inside terminal b there is a jungle that sprouts up in terminal c there's earthquakes that split split the ground apart um and all of these like crazy things are happening and it all had to do with them pushing the button how crazy i love it right and there's no way to get out of the airport so if you've ever been stuck in an airport, boy, that's a true feeling. Oh, yeah. um, so James and Michelle, their whole goal is to try to team up together and then find their families and help help each other escape the airport or to put an end to whatever they started before it takes over. And it had, you know, it had like mixed reviews or whatever. Some people absolutely loved it. Some people were like, Meh. but um, I think people that read YA books are really harsh critics and I am not one of those. So therefore I was like, I think it sounds like a fun story. So um, that's Before Takeoff by Addie Alsen. It just looks really fun. It just looks like a crazy, you know, it's like a crazy ride with a little bit of romance, but it just goes to preview that like two teenagers will always make bad decisions. They just always do. <laughs> I love it. Why'd you push the button? You shouldn't have pushed the button. <laughs> and this last one I have already ordered and it's all wrapped up already. So um, I Must Betray You by Ruta Septius. And that is, uh, it just came out in February of 2022. My son said this sounded like the best book she, ever. She wrote Salt to the Sea too. Yes. I have that yes. one. Did you read that? Yeah, I, it's a good one. Yes. And what's it about? Oh, it's about winter in 1945 and World War II. And there's four refugees and they each have a story to tell. Remember, oh, cool. I think I might've brought this up in something. You before. did. Yeah. And they each have a different homeland and they're each being like hunted or, you know, like they're trying to sneak past the Soviet advance, I think is how it is. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's, I think, it's yeah. a fascinating story. Well, I got to tell you the YA uh, reviewers love her. Yeah. They love her stuff. So good. Um, so this book is set in Romania in 1989 mm-hmm. and the communist regimes are starting to crumble across Europe. Christian Flores, I'm going to say it, Florescu, Florescu, I believe is his name. He's 17 years old and he wants to be a writer, but the Romanians aren't free to dream because they have rules that they have to, um, you know, adhere to. And that does not allow for much creativity. Amidst the uh, Nicolae Ceausescu, remember him? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His dictatorship, um, the, the country is governed in by isolation and fear. And Christian is blackmailed by the secret police to become an, into becoming an informer. So he's left with two choices, either betray everyone and everything 
something he loves or use this position to creatively undermine Ceausescu and the most horrible, evil dictatorship in Eastern Europe. So Christian risks everything to unmask the truth behind the regime and give voice to his Romanian, his Romanian brethren, and expose the world to the world what's happening in his country. So he joins the revolution to fight for change when it's time. But what did it cost him? So my son is a history nerd, as your son was yeah, a history I was nerd thinking, at that age I was well. actually thinking about getting this book for my son, because I know it's YA, but he's still, you know, he's still a teen. He's still a Y. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a Y. I think this just sounds fantastic. Yeah. It has gotten massively great reviews. People loved it. I think that there's a really big interest among, you know, thanks to Stranger Things and the Paper Girls and that all teenagers are really into the 80s, 80s and yeah. kind of understanding the 80s at this point. Mm-hmm. And there's a really like kind of growing trend treasure trove of books about the, you know, like the communist regimes of that time. Um, there was a couple, we talked about a couple about the fall of the Berlin Wall and that sort of time period is is really interesting to kids because I think it's hard for them to to fathom that their parents still, we still lived then, you know, like we were all alive at that time. Uh-huh. And I th- I'm pretty sure there was a Romanian girl at the college I was at in like the early 90s and she would talk about some of this stuff. But yeah, so she yeah, was crazy, like, right? yeah, she came to the United States to sort of get away from it. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Yeah, I remember. I I also remember having to learn how to spell Nikolai Ceausescu oh. for an exam once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that was back in the day before spell check. Remember? <laughs> so that one is called "I Must Betray You" by Ruta Septius, and that came out um, just this year, and that looks fantastic. And that is on my Christmas list. So those are sort of more um, something that even if you get the boys in your life, that you, maybe if you force that on them, they might actually read something besides soccer scores. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's tough. If the struggle is real. Oh, that's a lot of good books. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I have several for my under my tree. So yeah, I'm excited. And I have a couple I'm gonna send you. So that's even better. <laughs> We're just like, you know what we are? We're just like two middle-aged elves. We just give and give and give. We are like the two, you just give us some big ears and some Santa hats and we are, we're right there with our bag full of books, just throwing them out to the masses. Totally down with that. Totally down with that. I love it. Yeah. We might have personal fans because sometimes we get a little overheated, but (laughs) otherwise we're just elves. She doesn't mean fans like people who follow us. She means like. (laughs) No, like (laughs) hot flash fans, hot flash fans for God's sakes. Yeah. We'd hand out books all day. We might be sweating while we do it, (laughs) Right? <laughs> Can somebody get me a cold drink? <laughs> Is it time for my Franzia? <laughs> we like the surliest elves around. It's fabulous. It's perfect. All right. Oh, anyway. Anyway, go ahead. Wrap us up, girl. That does it for episode 58. Um, hopefully we solved all your holiday gift needs. Let's hope. You're welcome. You're welcome for us solving your needs. And you can thank us by sending us boxed wine. You can DM me for the address. <laughs> can you imagine? Oh, my God. It would be a Christmas miracle. Box wine just starts showing up we, at my door. Yeah, we, oh. we work for wine. There you go. <laughs> Which is kind of true. <laughs> it is kind of true. true. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Um, oh, uh, just a reminder, you can find all the titles that we mentioned in this podcast and the previous episode um, on the show notes, in the show notes, um, or at our website, twolipmamas.com. That's T-W-O, litmamas, M-A-M-A-S dot com. And uh, what are we doing for our next episode, Marty? Well, you know, we're givers. We're givers. <laughs> so, um, And it's the holiday season. So we're going to keep on giving. Your two menopausal elves are going to give you one more gift for the holiday season. 
So we have a really cool episode, a really special treat. So we had the opportunity to read a fantastic parenting book that everyone who works with bicultural or immigrant kids and families must read. Mm -hmm. And it's called Parenting with an Accent by Masha Rummer. And um, Masha joined us, is joining us for an episode to talk about her book. And we are going to share some immigrant stories and some immigrant traditions and all of the crazy things. It's It was such a fun book to read and mm-hmm. it's such a fun episode because the tables were turned. So she's the immigrant married to the American and I'm the American married to the immigrant. So it was fun. We got to, and, and Heather was just like, oh, these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes because I'm like, oh, when, when I have uh, immigrant parents at the preschool, how do I it's handle such this? A, yes. And it's <laughs> yeah. such a great book for that. And yeah, it's it a is. great read. It's super fun. And so we're going to talk to her about that. And that is episode 59, our little Christmas gift to yeah. you. And that's our last episode of the season. So we're going to take a little break after that to do our holiday, yes. you know, because we're the moms. So we got to make everything and buy everything and wrap everything. And some old fat runner has to get a new knee. So that's what I'll be <laughs> oh, doing yes. because, yeah, because the old fat runner has literally had to get a knee replacement at the age of 50. But you know what? My fat running group is very supportive Aww. and they're like, you'll be back out there in no time. That's right. You will. I will. So we'll be enjoying a little holiday time up and then we'll be back in January with the vengeance. Yes. Yay, with more books for 2023. So thank you for listening to Tulip Mamas. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review so more people can hear our wonderful uh, recommendations. And they can get our gifts. They can get, we can gift more. We can give more (laughs) gifts. Yep. And we're also on Facebook under Tulip Mamas Podcast and on the Instagram at Tulip Mamas Podcast um, uh, as well. Perfect. All right. So if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. Thanks for Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy shopping. Bye. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.